It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Triggering change one heartbeat at a time. Battle for freedom. Welcome, Welcome everyone. everyone. Uh, welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Watson Prudier from Battle for Freedom on Mojo Fiber Radio. Uh, every last one of you, if you want to interact, like I already see Lep, Curtis, and as well as uh, Carolyn, thank you so much for being part of the program. They went to facebook.com forward slash battle for freedom. You can do so as well if you go to rumble.com forward slash battle for freedom. I'm one of the many hosts that are available to you on mojo50.com. That's mojo50, mojo50.com. Go out and share the content of this amazing broadcast with you. One of our hosts, uh, and Laurie, thank you for joining and being part of the program, Uh, Lep. You can catch him on Sundays, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Ain't You a Peach. Uh, you get to see you get to see beyond the comments, and you get to see uh, you get to hear and see the the brilliance of Lap on Sundays. Just go to mojo50.com forward slash schedule, and it'll let you know exactly what the shows are. are. Um, and it's really cool because of the fact that right now I'm enjoying. Um, American Pride Roses Coffee. This is Watson's White Chocolate Caramel Blend. And, uh, oh my goodness, this stuff is delicious. Hold on a second. Mmm. Tasty, tasty, tasty. Uh, that is one of our sponsors on Mojo Fiber Radio. We really appreciate them. And also, a couple of other ones. And Don't forget, please do not forget, um, Amer- uh, New Life Holistic with Anthony Malchiotti. As well as, one of the things I'm encouraging highly... In this day when everything just seems so unaffordable, you know what I got? I have right here. I have two. I paid six dollars a piece, but they're still affordable and they're still wonderful. These little cool patch doohickeys that I can um, basically put on my clothing, hats, whatever it is. I don't need to order more so I can give them to my kids because they like my Battle for Freedom patches that I got from Romika Designs. R O M I K A D E S I G N S dot com. Romika Designs, a lot of crazy, cool stuff. I mean, even the uh, Battle for Freedom logo, Triggering Change says, Triggering Change, one heartbeat at a time, Battle for Freedom. (laughs) You can get that there, available to you. Please check it out and let them know. So today we're going to continue on systematic theology. Um, We're going to look at um, God's providence to the government 
And it's funny because we're in chapter 16. Remember, uh, I spent time on this and we're going through, uh, let's see, what is it? Uh, that I'm using, of course, the word of God. No, not that one. Um, I did not, did I not update it? Oh, that is supposed to be, oh, that is supposed to be something completely different. And I didn't do that. Ah, well, there you go. Oh, wait, which one am I doing? I am on Wednesday. So why does it not have that? Um, yeah, that's weird. Odd. Okay. So I find it very strange because of the fact that, you know, of course, I use the Bible. I use the Bible and go from there so that, ah, now I know I'm doing this thing. Uh, because of the fact that I use the Bible, I use Wayne Grudem's book, Systematic Theology, so that we can go and we're in chapter 13, and, well, not chapter 13, chapter 16, talking about God's providence. And uh, the last section was in talking about the government. But, you know, in light of everything that goes on in our days. Hey, Trisha, thank you for being part of the program. Um, in light of I want to roll back a little bit as we get before we start talking about government and the idea of what about evil? This is a chapter. Uh, this is a page um, 322. And this basically talks about the whole idea of. Grudem asks, what about what about evil? If evil, if God does indeed cause through his providential activity, everything that comes out about in the world, then the question arises, what is the relationship between God and evil in the world? Now, again, we talked about this. The word of God says there is no sin in him. There is no evil in him. Uh, when you say that you are, if you look in James chapter one, it basically says if if when you are tempted, do not say that it was of God that did, had done this, but that it was already in your nature, in you, in the desire and the capacity to want to sin. Every last one of us in light of, because here's the thing about it. Things are going to get worse. I mean, we're already in high inflation, okay? Our, we have supply chain issues, we have inflation issues, we have jab issues, we have pandemic issues, we have corruption issues, we have a lot of things going on. But God is not the author of any of this thing. Everybody says, well, how could a good God allow, allow bad things to happen? How could a good God allow evil things to happen to bad, I mean, bad things happen to good people? But the problem is, is that the evil is not in God he has given us the freedom to do as we please. And, and if you look at our behavior, honestly, do an inventory, all of us, including myself, do an in inventory of all of our actions in thought, in deed, in words, whatever it is, review, do an in-depth, in-depth introspection to look and see what it is that we do. And write that down and don't measure it according to our interpretation of what is acceptable in the sight of God. Honestly, ask the question, is God happy with this? What I did is this good or evil? And do not weigh God's contentment or acceptance with it against his grace that gives us what we don't deserve and his mercy, you know, that gives us what we don't deserve and um, mercy that doesn't give us what we deserve. Don't weigh that against that, but just black and white, put it down. It, does God like this? And if he doesn't like it, 
If we don't sit there and do the mental and verbal gymnastics to basically say that God is happy and that what we're doing is good in the sight of God and we recognize that it's evil, then we have to be honest with ourselves and recognize that it's in us. When Romans 3.10 says there's no one good, no one righteous, no, not one. As Paul builds the condemnation of humanity and their efforts apart from the work of God, we're all guilty before him. So when we sit here and we go out of our way to say that God is causing evil things, no, 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 no. In, in the free will that we have, we are choosing to dishonor God and dishonor our neighbors and even dishonor ourselves because of the fact that we love the darkness rather than the light. And so in the midst of that, God is basically going to wake us up and call us uh, to account for our actions. But I think it's really interesting when we sit here and says that, um, you know, they, they're trying to say that, uh, well, the God in, indirectly brings about uh, evil. Uh, basically, it says um, a very clear example is found in the story of Joseph. Scripture clearly says that Joseph's brothers were wrongly jealous of him. Genesis thirty-seven eleven hated him. Thirty-seven four five and eight and wanted to kill him. Genesis thirty-seven twenty. And did wrong when they cast him into the pit, 37.24, and then sold him into slavery, 37.28. Yet later, later could Joseph could say to his brothers, God sent me before you to preserve my life, to preserve life. You meant, it, uh, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You know, and it's really interesting as we sit here, <coughs> In all our machinations and all our programs and everything that we try and see that we do, most of the most we come up with in our finite, in our finiteness, because we have a starting point. Okay. In our existence, we have a starting point. But God doesn't. And God knew long before what we would do. And he still allowed us. I mean, again, look at the consider Romans 5 8. God showed his love to us that he that he died for us while we were yet sinners. That Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Now, as we sit here and we, how in the world can we ever, ever insinuate that God is bringing evil about in our lives or he's the author and creator of evil when we are the agents of evil and nothing, all he's done since the beginning of time is bless us and been gracious to us in every aspect. Many of you who still reject him this very moment, he woke you up another day, but you hold him to a standard. You hold him to a standard that you won't even abide by one-tenth of the standard that he has. So this idea that God is the author of evil is very, it's very... Well, because here's even the aspect of this, too, is that we're actually even defining a set of right and wrong outside of God. To insinuate that God in any way could be evil, we're now saying that evil in some way is greater than God and that we're putting a modifier on the creator who had, I mean, where do you put it? Where do you lay, where do you lay that? You can't. I know I'm really philosophizing right here and now, and I'm working through a lot of this stuff because, again, I just don't understand why we continue to be so grateful and expect. I think Vadi Bautram said it so great. 
is that he was making this message about, he see, made a statement about the whole idea is that we turn around and we only insinuate that God is good when he blesses us, but when he doesn't give us what we want, now we take issue with God. He's not a genie. This isn't Will Smith or Robin Williams. This is God, the creator of the universe. And we're always happy and content when he provides for us. We're always content, you know, my God should supply all my needs was we're sitting here talking about the providence of God. But when his sovereignty comes into place, when his holiness comes into place, when his righteousness comes into place, when his justice comes into place, because he can't look at evil, because he cannot contend, he does not want to see sin in his presence. He killed his son for it. We turn around and we blame God when things don't go our way. But the, the machinations of evil are not from God, but from us, from our hearts. So then when we start looking at the whole idea of government, you know, as we start here, you know, we start looking at the government as, yeah, we have enough time to do this, okay. Um, I'm just, I'm sad. Scriptural evidence. Let's go into government here. We have discussed the first two aspects of providence, the preservation and the, the concurrence. The third aspect of God's providence indicates that God has a purpose in all that he does in the world, and he providentially governs or directs all things in order that they accomplish his purposes. Read, Psalm, read in the Psalms, his kingdom rules over all. This is Psalm 103, verse 19. His moreover, this is what Grudem's saying. On page 331, moreover, he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what are you doing? This is Daniel chapter 435. Paul affirms that from him and through him are all things, and to him are all things, Romans eleven thirty six, and that God has put all things in subjection under his feet, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty seven. And God is the one who accomplishes all things according to his will, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. So ultimately, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and in heaven and under earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of, Father, of, glory of the Father, Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Amen. <laughs> Christopher, he's not Santa. <laughs> I, it's so funny that you would actually even bring that up because it, it reminds me, it reminds me back to Dana Carvey, <laughs> church lady, <laughs> and sitting there and looking at the word Santa and moving letters around. <laughs> And it comes out to Satan. And, and honestly, because it's satanic to, to make God only good when he gives us what we want. The idea that we, we don't want lumps of coal. We want everything we want. God has to give it to us whether he likes it or not. I mean, honestly, we're... Through the pandemic, okay, through the pandemic, there were shortages. There was restrictions on how much you could purchase. So there were times if you didn't have enough toilet paper, if you didn't have enough Clorox bleach, or if you didn't have enough uh, Clorox wipes or bread or milk or water or whatever it is, 
And, you know, many of the times God has given us the time and the ability to make a priority to stock up on the things that we need. Another pandemic is on the way. Why do you think that the government is working so hard to transfer, that, that this president, this administration is working so hard to transfer our, our rights to the WHO so that they can tell us what to do during the pandemic? If you thought that there were restrictions back then in 2020, oh, baby, guess what's going to happen in 2023, 2024, and 2025? Now, we're making our efforts to try and see if we could put someone who's going to be in the presidency who can actually change and prevent this from happening. But by the time the person's in the presidency, it's going to be too late. And again, this... All of this, I know it can make you fearful of what's going to happen. Romans 13 says we should obey our government and we should look at the institutions that God has put forward. You know, and is the, you know, is the who a governmental agency and do we follow this and our president's doing all these other different things. And it's honestly, God is, God is saying, don't fret, don't worry, but you have to be prepared. We have to be prepared. All the different things that we have been planning, the, the, the uh, you know, the idea of, the idea of the supplies that we need. A friend had sent me a message that, you know, during the, during, during the pandemic, their food pantry was full. And, and how many of you, how many of us can actually say and repeat the same thing? How many of us can actually say, because again, God will provide, but we do have expectations. There are expectations on our side as well, too. Yes, Christopher says they need another pandemic to gain more control, most definitely. And in the process of doing this, I mean, seriously, how many of us can say that if with a pandemic, if they were to start, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is juicy. If they were to start Another 14, well, hold on a second, left, forgive me, I did not do this, so um, if you could find it in your heart to forgive me, left, I really would appreciate this, because of the fact that you're so, you're so kind in setting me this update, so I have to give you folks the numbers with this, with the pandemic, uh, because of the fact that today is, um, oh, where is it? He did not put it in this. Oh, wait. Oh, my goodness. Did you? Oh, there it is. It is day 1083 of 14 to flatten the curve. So what was that? Like March 13th, March 14th? What if on the anniversary of the first day to flatten the curve, they reset it back to zero? <laughs> But instead of 14 days to flatten the curve, it'll be, say, 21, 28, 60, 60 days to flatten the curve. <laughs> and and if we are not prepared, I'm, I'm, listen, here it is, okay, as we talk about the providence of God, as we're working in the idea of government and everything like that, that God will supply, God will provide and everything like that, right? I, you figure out, today is March 1st of 2023. You count down the number of days between now and when the X days to flatten the curve began. 
three years ago. And if you and I, if we do not have the supplies to make it a week, if we don't have the supplies and the know-how to make it um, two weeks or a month, at this particular point, we have no one to blame but ourselves. Oh, is the government corrupt? Is is it what's is it tyranny and tyrannical of what's taking place? Oh, most definitely. I would not in any way deny that reality. But as my friend said that during the pandemic, their their cupboards were full. Um, can we say the same exact thing? See, now you've had movies planned. You've had a lot of stuff planned to endure. Um, uh, the, the pandemic. We've had warnings of storms coming across the country. Had you prepared before that? Had you taken all the bread off of the, the lines? Get your masks now at discount. Hey, get your extra hand sanitizer too, because those things were selling hot, baby. They were selling hot. But what things will you need? What things will you get to be prepared? Maybe this is your time to get your ivermectin. <laughs> <laughs> and if hydroxychloroquine is available for sale, get some get some of that bad boy as fast as you possibly can. Uh, I mean, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, get your toilet paper tip. That's right. I'm serious, folks. So if you have a Sam's Club card or a Costco card or whatever it is on the East Coast, um, you need to get there as soon as possible. Uh, start stocking up, start canning up for what you're going to need to endure. And remember, so, and, and make certain that the expiration date is sometime after 2025, because we're pretty much open in the air for this coming its way. Again, I know a lot of you, we're just, we're, 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 we're frustrated with the way that this is happening. And I'm basically saying that we need to be serious on looking at this. This is, um, we have three minutes before the break. Okay. Distinctions concerning the will of God. Though in God, this is what Grudem is saying, though in God, his will is unified and not divided or contradictory. We cannot begin to understand the depths of God's will and only in small part it is revealed to us. For this reason, as we saw in chapter 13, two aspects of God's will appear to us. On one hand, there is God's moral will, sometimes called his revealed will, this includes the moral standards of Scripture, such as the Ten Commandments and the moral commands of the New Testament. God's moral commands are given as a description of how we should conduct ourselves if we are rightly, if we act rightly before Him. On the other hand, another aspect of God's will is His providential will, His providential government of all things, sometimes called His secret will. This includes all the events of history that God has ordained to come about. For example, the fact that Christ will be crucified by lawless men. It also includes all other acts of evil, evil acts that were mentioned in the preceding section. You'll go read those. I don't want to get into all the different things that he talked about from evil. Some have objected to this distinction between the two aspects of his will, arguing that it means there is a self-contradicting in God. However, in the realm of human experience, we know that we can, I mean, we can will and carry out something that is painful and that we do not desire, such as punishing a disobedient child or getting a not <laughs> getting an inoculation. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness. So for this is literally in this is it. okay. This book was printed long before the pandemic. So the fact that Gruden would talk about inoculations, I think it's really funny. But certainly it's possible for him to will that his infinitely his God is infinitely greater and wiser than we are. Infinitely it is possible for him that his creatures do something that in the short term displeases him in order that in the long term he would receive the greater glory. To say that he this is a self-contradiction in God is to fail to understand the distinctions that have been made. So the explanation is not contradictory. See, and I think this is the this is the aspect again. Uh Genesis, was it 4720? Was it 4720 or 50-20? Where Jacob basically says, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I've basically been saying since day one, they meant this pandemic this 2020 pandemic for evil, but God meant it for good. Don't worry about the idea of them trying to get rid of Trump. Don't worry about the idea of, thank you, Tim. Don't worry about the idea and concept of the idea of them getting rid of Trump or even taking control and having more power. I talked about the whole idea that God in his kindness and in his wisdom chose to let us see his goodness in this that he said be still and know that i'm god and in the midst of us doing this god has awakened us he has shown us his kindness and and i'm praying that in the midst of this and in, in when all things are out of our control and we say that god is sovereign and he's in control let us really start living that and believing it because of the fact that if we don't, all we're going to do is make a mockery of who he is and his love and his mercy and his grace and his justice. Let's do this. Let's go to a break, folks, and I'll talk to you on the flip side. Supply line interruptions are definitely here to stay, especially given the incredible talent we have working at the U.S. Transportation Department. However, you don't need to fear these interruptions. You can be prepared. Go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. The Daily Mojo with Brad Staggs. My suggestion was why not create another category? So you have men, you have women, then you have transgender men and transgender women. And so, I mean, why not create their own unique category so we are comparing apples to apples and coconuts to coconuts? Because their whole entire shtick for the transgender community is, no, these are women. Despite the fact that they have XY chromosomes and, you know, a giant hog swinging between their legs, they are women. (laughs) And you can't say otherwise. Wow! Wow. Uh, Giant hog. hog. Never heard it quite described that way. That's great. See, you've seen Ron naked too. Uh, It's uh, weekdays, eight Eastern. Mojo Five O. After a long, hard night, I am exhausted. I need something that will stimulate me. That's why I start each day with Ron's sexual chocolate. It really gets me off to work. Find the flavor that stimulates you and gets you off to work at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. 
about to get real. And you really need a plan. And you need people on board. There's only one place to be. Sunday Long Live Radio. 5 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Triggering change. One heartbeat at a time. Battle for freedom. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Watson Prenier for Battle for Freedom and Mojo 5 Radio. Uh, we're going to continue this thing on talking about the providence of God and and so much more. <laughs> Before the break, I meant to put it up on the screen, but Tim said, get your Jehovah jab. <laughs> and amen. Oh, yeah, because we're all going to need our Jehovah jab uh, or get our Jesus jab Um uh, or the Holy Spirit jab, uh, which everyone you need just get 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 God's jab, uh, please, for, for the love of God, please get His jab. Um, we're sitting here talking about the whole idea of government, part two. We talked a little bit about evil in the beginning, and and I didn't spend too much time on the evil aspect because I know that automatically our minds can go in so many different directions. We can go down so many different rabbit trails when it comes down to the evil of man, the machinations of man, of what's going on. I think that that one thing, that idea, that concept, that we we um we, we what's the word for it? We not rest on it, but we marinate on it. That's what it is. That's the word. Marinate. We marinate on the evil of the other side of our perceived political opponents, right? And in the process of marinating on that, it's like a slow boiling pot that we just get so excited. We get heated up when we literally consider and 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 conceive or re recollect the evil deeds that were done or even the deeds that we know that are coming down the pike. And it can get us to focus on that so much that we literally are blinded to the reality of the power of God, that he is the author of all things. He is the one who created the institutions of government. The word of God says that God is the one who puts kings and rulers in powers and he also takes them out. But for some strange reason in the midst of that, when it comes to election time, we automatically believe because we follow the premise of separation of church and state or we, we not follow the premise, we live the premise, or that premise has blinded us to the reality of the sovereignty of God, and that the same God who provides is also the same God who has orchestrated the earth and the institutions of government that we have from in our federal, state, local level to the governments that exist in our schools, in our businesses, you know, via CEOs and partners and, and boards to even in our churches from leaders, pastors, elders, deacons, you know, uh, uh, ushers, you know, it, it, there's a structure and order and government that God has created that existed long before we ever, the ideas and the concepts of government it all existed long before anything was created. See, this is the part about it that is where I know it is it is frustrating. Uh, you know, during the break, during the break, you know, you hear talking about what average credit card debt and savings balances were, you know, during 2021. It's 2023, and those numbers are probably one-tenth, if not one one-hundredth of those values that I shared with you because of inflation. We want to be in a house, and, and, and I would love this house with land right now, and it's not happening in the next couple of months. I'm not seeing the prices that I want, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that God is in 
control. And should he not give me the house that I want before the end of this year, guess what? He's still God, he's still good, and he's still in control. Can't understand it. I don't like the way this is happening. I don't like my 401k being uh, uh, <laughs> evaporated. Thanos snapped. <laughs> it's like half my fuss. Thanos not only got rid of people, he got rid of half of my retirement. <laughs> hey, 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 Grace, thanks for joining. And Biden has the gauntlet. He has the infinity stones on a gauntlet. That's what he's tripping on it as he goes up the stairs on Air Force One, the Infinity Gauntlet, and he's half-snapping my retirement and everyone's retirement since he took office three two years ago. I mean, literally, think about this. He only took office two years ago, and we still have two more to go. I mean, this can, this can really make you lose your mind to literally... Wrap your mind around the reality that if I lost half, almost half, 25% and 50% of what I had in retirement in two years, that means I could lose near 75 to 87.5% of my retirement by the, by the year 2025. And that's not a comforting thing to consider given that all the years, all the time that we put our monies in savings. And we're watching our these woke programs for climate change try to even further destroy what retirement that we have. <laughs> and stop thinking about Social Security, baby. You ain't getting any. Uh, but all these different things, they were like, but God, how can you let these people take over the country? And God's basically saying, do you trust me? I mean, this is, this is the defining moment for us in our lives, for all the people who, who quote Romans 8, 28, for those who quote Romans 4, I mean, Philippians 4, 13, for all those who quote Philippians 4, 19, for those who quote, I think is it Philippians 4, 8, and in all things I've learned to be content, or is that 4, 7? And all those quotes and passages of us putting our trust in God. We quote, what is it? Matthew 25, the sixth chapter six through 25 through 33. That don't worry that, do not worry about tomorrow because of the fact that God will give us everything. We do not worry about to, tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. And we're really being quizzed on do we believe that right now? We're all going through. I think there's a new movie coming up about his only son. I believe this is going to be a depiction of Abraham having to sacrifice Isaac. And I believe that right now we're all in that his only son moment. We're all in that phase of we're all in that phase phase of we have something so dear so precious and i don't know what it is in your life i don't know what that isaac item is for you in your life but god is saying i want you to put it on the altar do you trust me do 
you believe me. And I don't know what it is for you in your life or whatever, whatever that is. But understand that the government of God has existed long before the government of man. And it's time for us to start seeing this because we have prevented ourselves from really recognizing his presence in the world. Uh, chapter, uh, chapter 16, page three, 30, 332, Grudem section D talks about the decrees of God. He defines it as such. <clears throat> the decrees of God are the eternal plans of God, whereby before the creation of the world, he determined to bring about everything that happens. What was it? Uh, um, who is it when we look at the doctrine that so offends people, especially in our current modern evangel evangelical age that is very weak as Alistair, Pastor Alistair Begg properly defined it in Parkside Church in Columbus, Ohio, no, Cleveland, Ohio, if I'm, I'm, correct, if I'm correct. But <clears throat> the idea of election, that God doesn't send anyone to, Hell, the doctrine of election existed long before we even picked up the words. Long before Moses or any of the other, uh, any of the other hundred and seven, you know, authors or a hundred and three authors of the Bible penned a word. His doctrine of election existed long before anything was created. His decree. His decree, long before Moses penned the law, before he penned the Pentateuch, before he gave us the Torah, his decree existed. Be holy, for I am holy. I do not look at sin. I do not tolerate sin. The doctrine is similar to the doctrine of providence. But here we are thinking about God's decisions before the world was created rather than his provident, providential actions in time. His providential actions are the outworking of the eternal decrees that he made long ago. This goes back to, was it chapter 12? When we were sitting here talking about the incommunicable attributes, when God being eternal, when God being independent, when God being uh, omnipotent, not omnipotent, uh, omnipresent, when God basically having his being independent and eternal and unified that he has had all his rules and regulations long before we ever existed. This is the things that we don't want to hear or consider. And we now, again, back to the idea of calling God evil, that God would be evil not to let everybody in heaven. <clears throat> yes, that, 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 that language offends me. That language offends me, and it should offend you too, that we would in any way use our our finite understandings of reality to define the infinite one, the eternal one, the alpha and the omega, the provident one, the sovereign, the sovereign. He had made decrees long before we existed. David confesses, this is what uh, Grudem is saying. David confesses, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me 
Oh, that's out of one of my favorite verses, sections. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18, about being fearfully and wonderfully being made. See, we love those passages. We love when God's going to bless us. We love when God sends down the rains and the blessings. But, 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 but when God is just, when God punishes sin, when God shows and unveils his, his righteousness, his Shekinah glory, oh, no, 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 you hold that back, God. We don't need that right now. <laughs> That's just a wee bit too much for us to see right now. Just give us the goodness. Give us, give us the, the rosy colored glasses. Give us hippie Jesus. We don't want righteous Jesus right now. We don't want righteous Jesus who calls out sin. No, we want hippie Jesus with the rose-colored glasses and the long-flowing locks of hair that just loves us and smokes dooms with us. Give us that Jesus who entered, who who sits there and he he drinks with us. He 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 basically he he'll he'll he'll, he'll he 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 visits hookers and prostitutes because because I mean what's next in in this in this modern day weak evangelism. That doesn't call out the sin for sin. You know, you got you got pastors in the United States. They're doing having pot dispensaries and tell, teaching kids how to how to turn around and manufacture, process, and sell pot so they don't get caught by the cops. This is happening in churches. We have churches that are decreeing that literally are basically making themselves as swinger churches. Because for some strange reason, the gospel message has been so ineffective in reaching a, re a culture that rejects God. So what we need to do is we need to give them what they want. And in the process of bringing them into what they want in the church, sooner or later, we can infuse the truth. But how do we bring in the truth when we've been sponsoring the lie? This whole bait and switch mentality for the gospel, that's not gospel. That's not God. But he says, I became a Scythian to witness to the Scythian. Um, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean I become the drug dealer to win the drug dealer. It doesn't mean I become the atheist to win the atheist. Because in the effect of actually choosing to become the very thing that we choose to witness, we have now become an offense to God. And he would never tell us to become an offense to basically call out the offense so that people can then come to repentance. Jesus did not become a Samaritan to win the Samaritan. When Jesus was sitting there speaking to the woman at the world, he did not in, in the well, he did not become a Samaritan adulteress. When Jesus sat there and he witnessed to Matthew, Jesus did not become a tax collector to rob people. He did not become the zealot to destroy what the what many people were looking for then and are looking for now. He did not become the zealot to win the, 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 the zealot. But we, 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 we've now modified Jesus to basically take this chameleon way so that as he starts looking like the people that we want to save, this is the new message. This is the 2020 message. And this completely goes against the decrees of God. Because his message says, be holy for I am holy. He was holy before the text was written saying that I am holy. 
He did not like sin before the foundations of the earth in the decree of God in his existence of who he is. Look back to his incommunicable attributes. Look back to his communicable attributes and the, the attributes of the communicable ones, the ones that we have inherited. And understand that those characteristics of who God is, the attributes of God of who he is, existed long before the earth and the world was created, before he said in the beginning that God created. Long before that existed, the decrees of who he is, his holiness, his righteousness, his love and mercy existed long before then. But we have changed the gospel. We have diluted the gospel <sighs> to win people at the cost of, um, we've diluted the gospel at the cost of winning people. And it's heartbreaking. Oh, Jesus. Something that was working on me earlier this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Because I'm, I'm, again, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this. On the providence of God. And his holiness. His beauty. His righteousness. Oh. This was one that God had pressed upon me. I, I, I said it a different way. But I said it a different way earlier, but I rephrased it to make it a little bit more palpable and rhyme. And again, I know that many of you basically say, well, that doesn't rhyme, Watson. Uh, eh, it doesn't always have to rhyme. Sometimes a rhyme can actually have the same word in it. And uh, let me just give you something of the work. Because I need to actually take this break here. Because I'm a little bit too hot. Um. In our efforts to make Jesus a radical, let not the gospel take a sabbatical. Start where the truth begins, that he died and took our sins. This pivotal act defines our faith, says the author and perfecter of our faith. Originally, I said, the God is true, the Lord saith, but I wanted to repeat faith and go from there. And I believe that in the process, this is this is the, the 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 this is the conundrum by which we find ourselves today. That we have love and mercy. We should have love and mercy and compassion on people. But let that that love and mercy rob us from the language of expressing why the love and mercy and grace of God was required, because his righteousness his holiness, his justice that exists as well. His decrees exist long before the world was created, while the world exists, and long before this world is gone. His decrees still exist. <coughs> With the focus on this. Because this, you know, it, it's not worshiping God's word. God's holy 66 books, his 66 love letters confesses to us his grace, his mercy, his truth that transcends time, that transcends time. But we make Jesus and his word relevant to matters of society rather than the reality of society. 
how we function, how we live, how we honor him. <sighs> you know, um, Carolyn says, when we become Christians, we are to be set apart from the worldly ways. Bingo. That, that was, sister, that was the creed before he said, in the beginning, God created. <laughs> because before God created, he was separate from, he, the only thing that he was not separate from was himself, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But he separates himself. He can't stand the presence of sin. <clears throat> he doesn't want sin in his presence. Christopher says, Jesus would always say, <laughs> go and sin no more. Yes, the decree long before the world began. And Curtis rightly says, we take, his gra we take grace for granted, most definitely. Chapter 16, verse, uh, page 30, 333, the importance of our human actions. We may sometimes forget that God's work, God's works works through human actions in his providential management of the world. If we do, then we begin to think that our actions and our choices do not make a difference, much of a difference, or do not have much effect on the course of events. To guard against any misunderstanding of God's providence, we make the following points of emphasis. One, we are still responsible for our actions. Most definitely, because people will then say, well, what's the purpose if God's totally in control and he's orchestrating everything? It, they, they go with, this, what is it, uh, uh, fatalistic determination. I think that's the word. That if he's controlling the events, there's no purpose of me preaching. There's no pr pr purpose of me living right because of the fact that if they, at the end of the day, he's already decided how everything's going to go, then my actions don't really ma matter. No. I can do and I can say whatever I want. Because at the end of the day, God's already orchestrated the way things are going to go. So the, you know what? I guess that there's not required for me to live any better because of the fact that God has already have this thing set. No. We're still required to live in a way that glorifies him. But, but I'm saved and I've got a relationship with him. I'm going to be with him in heaven. So it doesn't really matter if I witness because he already knows who's going to be in heaven. He already knows who's going to hear his message. He already knows because he knows all things. So he already knows it's going to be there. So really, does my effort require anything? Why would he, if that were the case, then why would he in Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20 basically say, go ye therefore and make disciples. Yeah, I know I went get James for you a second. <laughs> so, so those things that stay with you for a while, but go and make disciples. Why would he tell us to do that? Why would he tell us to make disciples, focus on discipleship, helping? Why would he put um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 about the idea of the church, the, the, the body of the church that God has created for the efforts of glorifying, getting the church being edified? Why would he tell us to put on spiritual, spiritual armor? Why would he tell us to pray? Why would he tell us to do these things if he's already in control? We still have requirements to abide and be pleasing in his sight. We're still responsible for our actions. God has made us responsible for our actions, which have real and eternal significant results. In all his providential acts, God will preserve these characteristics of responsibility 
and significance. Uh, mm. <laughs> so, so uh, Lep actually shares shares something that I'm going to say it's a paraphrase of scripture passage. Um, he says the only thing in God's plan that might be preordained is one's expiration date. Hence, the scripture passage I will give to you on that Hebrews. 927 it is appointed for a man to die once and then comes the judgment <coughs> but lep's version the leper the the lep the the lepian, lepian version is the only thing in god's plan that might be preordained is one's expiration date <laughs> amen the second thing that grudem says our actions have real results and do change the course of events most definitely most definitely, we still can show kindness. We can show evil, or we can show we can show good or evil. It's our choice. But those still will have effects on that present moment in time. As people are watching our actions, the people who we don't even know are watching, and the people who are actually watching. But if if they're going to make the decision, if God's already in control, no, 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 no. we still are required. See, here's the problem. Let's quickly do this. If if we're not supposed to abide by the law, so then how can we get angry of someone who's speeding down the road? How can we get angry at the person who drives through a school zone where it's known to be 25 miles an hour when kids are present and a person chooses to plow down the road at 75 miles an hour, taking out a whole bunch of kids? How can you get angry? How can you get angry? If we're not responsible for our actions or it really doesn't matter, then why get angry when bad things happen? Oh, so you only want good things to happen. You only want law and order to happen when it benefits you? Uh, <laughs> I think we're getting a little bit deeper here. Prayer is one of the specific kind of action and has definite results, and that does change the course of events. Most definitely, prayer does have event i mean that that hap happens and it changes and i talk so much and i didn't even get through all the stuff it says we must act uh five what we can if what if we cannot understand the doctrine fully or further practical applications he says be not afraid do not be afraid but trust in god no let's spend let's spend the next couple of minutes on this here uh, yeah, because it gets into the Arminian position where I think this is where many of us fall ourselves into is that we believe that the person's in control of making the decision of whether or not they will choose to follow God. The Arminian position flies into the face of the sovereignty and providence of God. Again, is there a level of human responsibility that happens? Yes, most definitely. But remember, the human can't respond if the spirit is not awakening this this the the human this the human to hear the gospel message and respond to the gospel message. Let's get back to the the idea that God is the author and perfecter of our faith. What is the author? The author is the person who pens down the actions. David said in your word were written all the days of my life. In your word, the Lamb's book of life. Long before we ever even took place to walk into this thing, God wrote those words down.
But for some strange reason, we can believe, well, it's, it's, it, well I, I made the decision to follow Jesus. No, no, no. Understand this. The only reason why you can even see Jesus is the Holy Spirit removes the scales from our eyes to see our decrepitness and our depravity before God and his holiness and his mercy and his grace and love. That is the providence of God. But we've strayed from that message and we put all power in the hands of the receiver of the gospel message and not the giver of the gospel message. And I'm not talking about the preacher. I'm talking about the one who in the beginning decided how things would take place. God's providence is not some happy-go-lucky thing. This is the reality of who he is. And no matter who's in office, no matter what happens in the next pandemic, God is in control. Let's stop saying it if we refuse to believe it. Please, I'm begging you. Listen, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Brad Stags and Daily Mojo is up next. I'm your host, Watson, Premier for Battle for Freedom. I'm out. God bless and take care. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo 5 -0.